Well, hey, welcome to COC uh, for our live recorded previously broadcast. Yes. So happy Amen. Pentecost. Yes, yeah. indeed. We've gotten really used to looking at cameras, so sorry about that. I'm bypassing all of you guys to look at the camera today. Um, thanks for those of you that joined us uh, in person today, and uh, it feels like hand in a glove. A really awkward, <laughs> wrong size glove, but yes. being back in church again today, we've so missed this, so mm -hmm. missed being with mm -hmm. you guys. Amen. Thank you guys for uh, joining us online. Thank you for you guys that have come to worship with us. Stephen, what have we been talking about? Well, in our latest series, we've been talking about stewarding, stewarding your season well. And so coming into the realization that every season of life that we go through, good seasons, bad seasons, are all intended for growth. And ultimately, it's the bad seasons that produce the most amount of growth. And so looking at this season of our lives right now and thinking, okay, so God, I didn't ask for this season, but God, what are you trying to grow in me? in this season right now. And so really leaning into God in this time. And, uh, you know, the thought I had this week is um, the reason why I say bad seasons are better for good growth. I know you use the analogy of how death and decay in the soil is actually where seeds need to grow. But ultimately, um, good seasons create in us a tendency of self-reliance. That's I don't good. know if you know that, okay? Good seasons create in us a, a tendency to, to rely on ourselves. And mm -hmm. if you want proof of that, read Deuteronomy 8, okay, where the Israelites are getting ready to go into the land, into the promised land. And we talked about this actually last week, how um, God actually delights in the process, Okay, you, you, you uncovered that, right? God delights in the process. And I, I know we had, I had this thought, Mary, that God takes, you said it like this, God takes pleasure in the process. Mm -hmm. We tend to tie all of our pleasure into the promise. Right. And God ties a lot of pleasure into the process. Does he pleasure in us fulfilling the promise? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's almost like there's yes. two end games here. Yes, definitely. two different. And like God's end game is us becoming Christ-like. Yes, our end game is the promise. Mm -hmm. One of the pro the promises are the blessings of God along the way and and the things that He's spoken to us and whatever. But that's not the end game. The end game is becoming Christ-like. Mm -hmm. How many of you guys have ever been in a bad season in your life? Raise your hand. <laughs> All right, six of you. Good. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> How many of you guys have ever, I'm, a, I'm guessing this will probably be a low number, but how many of you guys have ever not done that well? You've been in a bad season and not done it well. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to raise hands for this one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how many of you or how many of, of someone that you know have been through a bad season and gotten stuck there? Oofta. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. The temptation and the, the pitfall when something doesn't work out the way that I want it to, or a relationship goes sour, or I lost my job, or I had these dreams for my life, and now they're, they're not being fulfilled, and there's no way for them to be fulfilled, or this that is very real, very real grief, and we don't want to belittle that. We're not, we, never in this series are we, me are we meaning to belittle the bad seasons, right? We're not trying to minimize them. These things are terrible to walk through. And yet, how many times have we gotten stuck there? That ends up defining us. Like that, we can't move past that. And we see that in ministry all the time, just looking into people's lives. Yeah. 
man, they, they didn't get through that well. And so not only, not only is it possible to go through our bad seasons and not grow, it's possible to go through our bad seasons and get stuck there and have that hamstring the rest of our lives. Gosh, guys, we don't want to do that. We want to go through mm-hmm. our bad yeah. seasons well. Mm-hmm. And so that sometimes means embracing them. Ugh, we yes, don't want to do that. Indeed. <laughs> we want to run away from them and talk. Mm-hmm. And we, like, here's, here's, a great way, here's a great way to do a, a bad season badly. Just say what you think about it. <laughs> right? Ouch. Tell people what you think about it. Yep. yep. That is the easiest way to do a bad season badly. Mm-hmm. Hoofta. If, you're not, if your toes are not stepped on right now, then mm-hmm. gosh, tell me your secret. Mm-hmm. Which right? is why, Mary, uh, your word was so timely this morning about mm-hmm. watching our words. Like, I mean, and that's something we've been talking about I in know our it. Wednesday night I know it. Just series just of just, one after just being careful of what you're speaking in these seasons. And that's why even like the whole media thing, like what are you surrounding mm-hmm. yourself right now? Because right. I don't know if you know this or not, the media isn't interested in informing your opinions. <laughs> they are interested in solidifying your opinions. Yep. God is interested in informing your opinions. Yeah. The media is interested in solidifying. Well, what if I listen to Fox News? Sorry. What if I listen to MSNBC? Sorry. They want to solidify, and that's what they do. They're tr- they're, you said it in our Wednesday video recently that the truth is in the tension. Mm. Unfortunately, the tension doesn't produce good polls. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the media wants spectrums. Right. Okay. They're either going to be on this end of the spectrum or this end of the spectrum to solidify opinions. Mm -hmm. God wants to inform opinions by bringing to that point of tension. We started this series, and the people don't know this Mm -hmm. yet because we've never mentioned it, but we uh, started in Philippians chapter 1, and kind of the nugget that stuck out to me, which we haven't gotten to, this was going to be a one-week series, and we're on week 80th, whatever, I don't know, lots, but it was the word discern. Mm-hmm. That you might be able to, dis- yep. dis- to discern. And mm-hmm. that just leapt in my spirit. And that's where I want to get to. We won't get there today. But like just that in this season. And, and, and that was the impetus, the kind of the, the springboard to go, man, if I don't do this season well, I won't discern the voice of the Lord. I had a guy that, that really moves in the prophetic, doesn't come to church here, uh, has pastored uh, at different times in his life, as, and uh, he stopped into the church one day, and he said, I was driving through the roundabout and uh, heard the voice of the Lord. He said, which, which I, I've been struggling to hear a lot of lately. He said, but I heard the voice of the Lord clearly, and uh, it was for you. I'm like, oh, Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know what you guys think about those kind of things, but... Uh, so I sat down and put my big boy pants on and grabbed my cup of coffee and smiled. And, and uh, he said, uh, you need to listen to the voice of the Lord really closely in this season. Mm-hmm. Like, not what you think, like closer than that. You need to drill into the voice of the Lord in this season in order to get what God has or you're going to miss it. And so that has just been resonating in my spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I'd kind of forgotten about that, honestly, until right now. Mm-hmm. And when I talked about really the whole, this whole sermon series that we've been doing about, guys, let's go through this season well. Don't just go home and get to level 93 on your Xbox. Right? Like, that's your greatest accomplishment in quarantine, right? Like, let's 
steward our season. Let's not come out with 14,000 hours of, of Facebook and, and Fox News or whatever you listen to. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Like, let's do more than that. Let's, mm-hmm. let's keep our hearts soft and pliable and let's press into Jesus and let's see what the Lord has. There's no wasted moments. There's no wasted seasons. God, it's not like, oh, well, the devil put God on hold for a few months, and I guess when we get back to church, then we'll get back to God stuff again, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a great lie from the enemy. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. In fact, kingdom growth has been happening in this season. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to be back together, but we're also excited about what God has been doing in the interim. Like God, mm-hmm. God's hands aren't tied just because the church can't be together. Mm-hmm. So anyways, soapbox moment right there, but... but Going back to the voice of the Lord, uh, I'm still on slide one here, <laughs> just letting you guys know. And he hasn't actually covered any of the information Cor- on correct. slide we haven't, one. We haven't gotten just to, to clarify one. here, I'm just going to, I'll be the voice of honesty here <laughs> this morning. So we're watching our timer today going, exactly. we're not going to get to all of our slides, which is a usual, mm-hmm. usual occurrence for us. Uh, but I want to hear the voice of the Lord talk about the voice of the Lord because that's that's mm-hmm. what God is stirring. And so hopefully what we're, we're going to get to is, is Philippians chapter 1, and not today, but just that that idea, like, guys, we have to hear the voice of the Lord. And if, and if we're so in a pattern of hearing Stephen's voice to me talk about how he's not enjoying going through this season and the news and my social media... Not that any of those are inherently evil. Please, understand the context of what we're saying. That the loudest voice has got to be our time with the Lord. We've got to capitalize on that. We've got to spend time in His presence. We've got to tune our ears. Not just do our devotions. We're, we're saying, no, dive deeper. Spend time with the Lord. Do more. Like, not so you can get to heaven. Goodness. That's the grace of God. Do more so that we can be effective here and now. So that we don't have to... So often we're playing catch-up. Let's let the church be in the cutting edge. Let's let the church of God hear the voice of God and not miss out on anything for this season. Amen? Yeah. yeah. And a personal like challenge that. that I've faced myself, too, in this, because um, uh, I went on in 2002. Oh, my goodness. That's a long time ago. I went on a media fast where I didn't listen to any news outlet, okay, for almost, almost 15 years. Like, I didn't watch the news. And guess what? I did okay. <laughs> I did A-okay. And now with the coronavirus, like, I was wanting to, you know, watch a little bit more of the news. But I felt like the Lord speaking to me, only give them a tenth of the time that you give to me. So if I spend 90 minutes in the morning praying, worshiping, and reading God's word... That only allows me nine minutes of media in the day. And, and you better believe, like, if you're willing to do that. I'm not saying you have to. That was what I felt God speaking to me. But just think about how much more informed you're going to be getting the scoop from God <laughs> versus from, from the, the spectrums or whatever. I don't know. Sorry. Soapbox ended. Great. It's been about 10 years for us since we watched news in our house. Just... Mm-hmm. Just informationally, just letting you know that, and uh, we've survived as well. We find that our lives are a lot more peaceful, mm-hmm. and and you see things when you we still are on social media, and so you see things or whatever. I'm not preaching a message to stop watching the news. That's not what we're saying. 
But we're just saying you be, it goes right back to what we're believing as a church, personal responsibility. You take responsibility for your heart. Mm -hmm. Guys, watch what you're putting in there. Mm -hmm. Watch what you're listening to from other people even. Just Mm -hmm. like, let's, let's be bringers of life. Yep. Yep. And I... (laughs) I've debated whether I want to say, because he's going to torque some of you off. And I don't I just, is that our first Sunday back together and now they're all mad? We're on video. We can say whatever we, we can want. Say whatever and we edit, want. edit it out later. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> but I just happened to be reading Acts chapter one and two today because it's Pentecost Sunday yes. and they were all together yes. in one place in Pentecost. Yes. And so they were gathered together and, and uh, Jesus appears with them, you know, and, and uh, you know, before that, prior to that. And. <laughs> Jesus ascends to heaven. Like, they have this moment. The resurrected Jesus is with them. And this was just a thought I was processing through today. So this is not directed at anybody. So if you're going to get mad at me, get mad at me in the right way, which is fine. So Jesus gets taken up, and all of a sudden, there's two angels standing there with them. Men of Galilee, right? And in the middle of all of this, in the middle of all of this, they're asking, they're they're in a God moment here. Jesus is with them. Angels are with them. They're in a God moment. And you want to know what was number one on their minds? Not the God moment. You want to know what their question was? The same dumb thing they got, got hung up with the entire time they were with Jesus. Hey, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Politics. Really? That's what you're concerned about in the middle of the Son of God being with you and angels being with you? You want to know the political agenda? For crying out loud. And aren't, don't we get so sidetracked? And with, with good things, but they're like, uh, no, you don't even need to know about that. Let's talk about the kingdom of God. And that was their answer. It's the kingdom of God. Let's talk about the kingdom of God. And when you see that change in them, from then on, from Pentecost, it was all about the kingdom of God. You never again see them getting hung up on that. They're like, oh, I get it. Like, they finally got it. They finally got it. Like, we should be about kingdom business. Hmm. Do you think some of that has waned now, moving you know, fast forward now to today. <laughs> Are we still only about kingdom business? I think we're still asking the wrong yeah. questions sometimes. Yes, definitely. Because where my mind was at today was uh, Joel chapter two, okay, mm-hmm. which is kind of the precursor to Acts yeah. chapter two, yep. where uh, it says this, uh, I will pour out my spirit mm-hmm. on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. I think we keep waiting for that moment to happen. Oh, that's that good. moment yep. happened right. in Acts chapter two. Yep. Maybe this is the end times. Duh, it is the end times. Mm-hmm. We've been in the end times for, for 2,000 years. years. Yeah. What do we have to show for mm-hmm. it? That's, that's the question. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what do we have to show for the fact that we've been in the end times for 2,000 years? Well, that's years? not the end times I'm talking about. I mean, you know, like the end times. We're in the end times. We are. Whether we're in the end end times or not, you figure it out. Tell me when you got the answer. But we're yes. in the end yes, times that the Bible has been talking about. Mm-hmm. Let's do end time things. Come mm-hmm. on. Let's prophesy. Let's speak the word of God. Let's see people come to Christ, right? Come on. Mm-hmm. Let's see bodies healed. Let's mm-hmm. see the kingdom of God flourish. Mm-hmm. Let's ask the right question. So some of the right uh, 
The fruit of our lives comes from asking the right questions. Amen. Yes. That's a God word for you this morning. Mm -hmm. That's not on my notes. Mm -hmm. It isn't. We're not going to get the right fruit if we're asking the wrong questions. Mm -hmm. Let's start asking the right questions. God, Mm -hmm. how can I serve you in this moment? God, how can I hear your voice better? Lord, how can I win my neighbor to Christ? Lord, Mm -hmm. how can I see the kingdom of God come to bear on this earth? God, how do I do those things? Teach me your ways, God. Mm -hmm. Speaking of teach me your ways, we're moving to Psalm 25. If you have your Bibles with us, Psalm 25 is where we're going to be at for a moment today. I keep looking at the screen as if something's going to change. Is this the time, Lord, when you're going to bring about the new screen? No, it is not. No, it is not. Psalm 25 says, as we just got to it last time, last week, uh, but want to dive into that a little bit more. It says this in verse 4. Show me your ways, God. Look at somebody and say ways. Ways. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, and sa- or you are, you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Mm-hmm. I didn't put a slide on because I didn't connect the dots until a little bit earlier, but... Um, This psalm starts with David saying, I trust in you, God. I trust Mm -hmm. in you, God. And the whole premise that led me to Psalm 25 was our series is really based in Philippians chapter 1. It's about stewarding our season. I want to get up and walk around. You do want to get up and walk around. Stewarding our season well. I know I can go to this line here. You can. (laughs) And I can go to the edge of the... Right there. My hand is now not in the video. (laughs) Yes, we know this. Um, But I'll sit down and be good. We... um, we got. We kind of uncovered this point of we miss. We miss what God is doing. <laughs> we miss what God is doing. This is from previous videos, but we miss what God is doing because we're so focused on how this feels bad, and I don't like this. Yep. Mm-hmm. That we misinterpret the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. We misinterpret the work of God. How many of you guys, by a show of hands, looking backwards on your life? could say, that was a really hard season, and I don't think I maybe handled that the best, but I see God was doing stuff in that season. Anybody? Mm-hmm. Right? And how many of you, I, nobody wishes they could go back to a bad season, and we can't anyway, so it's kind of pointless to talk about, but how many of us uh, would want to, if we could do it again, be a little more aware of what God was doing in this? So we could mm-hmm. just, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like driving by and there, you see someone on the roadside with a roadside stand, and you go up, and they're, you're like, whoa, what is this? And, and they start talking to you about what it is, and you see oranges and pears there, and you're like, whoa, oranges and pears? They're like, yeah, take one. Really? Yeah, take one. Oh, that's awesome. You get oranges and pears, and you jump in your car, and you take off. You never gave the guy a chance to tell you he had a quarter of beef in the back and some pork in a cooler and some drink, right? We... If God is doing something, wouldn't we want to soak all of it out of our lives that we can? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you've got to go through that bad season anyways, wouldn't we want to just capitalize on the most that God has for us? And so we have to know that God, you guys, I have, if you know me at all, you know that I've preached this until I'm blue in the face. We've got to have a robust theology of the goodness of God. Yes. We have got to know that God is good. Because if we don't, we are going to misinterpret God and we're going to blame things on God that has nothing to do with him. Mm -hmm. We are going to attribute things to the devil that has nothing to do with him. We are going to miss... And he'll gladly take credit for them. (laughs) We're going to misassess... Yeah, exactly. 
what God is really doing in our life. Mm-hmm. And, and the, one of the best keys to making that work is a great theology of the goodness of God. Amen. God is good. He's not your definition of good. He's his definition of good. And he's fully good. And he's fully God. And he's going to judge the world. But he has pure motives doing it. And he's the only one capable of doing it, right? Like, there's all these things that we want to say, yeah, but goodness comes from him. And he is good. And he will always continue to be good. So sometimes when it feels bad, we're saying, God, you're not good anymore. Guys, we've got to have a theology of God's goodness that's stronger than my mm-hmm. feelings in this moment. Mm-hmm. Amen. We've got that's to really practice good. our theology yes. of God's goodness that has to be paramount in our life. Um, and so what you were talking about it a couple times ago, that, that really it comes down to trust. Do mm-hmm. I trust God? Mm-hmm. If I can trust God in this season, then I might kind of let down you. You guys ever been with someone that you don't trust? Why do they all look at me? I was laughing because Taylor raised his hand right away. (laughs) You kind of have your guard up, don't you? Like, you might be kind and nice to them and have a conversation or whatever, but you're like, I'm going to be careful what I say because I know it's going to come back and haunt me. I'm going to be careful being alone with them. Do you know what I mean? And there's so many times when you would never say this, you're going to be in shock and awe when I tell you that you do this, but sometimes you don't trust God. He wouldn't say that. (laughs) And so we put up walls. We keep him at distance. I don't want to be alone with God right now. And right. Can you, can you at least resonate that maybe the neighbor across from you might do that? Mm -hmm. Right. And we all, we all do that at times. And so we do, we put God at a distance and so it comes down to, do I trust God? If I let down my guard, then I lean forward and I lean into him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I start listening for his voice. Mm-hmm. When I want to blame God and I want to be angry with him and whatever, and you can read the, the Psalms. I mean, you, get, you see that that's okay. But bring it before God and then let God heal that up and move on from it. Don't get stuck mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So it's about trust. And so David starts Psalm 25 with, I trust you, God. I trust you. So then we get to verse 4, and he's like, show me your ways. Teach me your paths. And uh, go real quick to Deuteronomy chapter 10. We're going to hit this really fast. Deuteronomy chapter 10, page 493. (laughs) Deuteronomy, it's actually the next slide on my... It is. That was easy for you to switch. It was easy for me. Come on, Stephen, what page is it on yours? Exactly. Give me a second. I was in Deuteronomy 8 today, so I should oh, be wow. easily were, in Deuteronomy you were 10. right next to it. Yes. Deuteronomy 10. Do you really and want to know my page number? <laughs> I really kind of do. Yeah. 213. 213. So uh, we're reading uh, just, just a couple verses here, and then we're going to go back to Psalm 25. Uh, verses 12 and 13 says this, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his, what is it? Ways. Ways. To love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today for what? For your good. Mm-hmm. Look at your neighbor and say, it's for your good. It's for your good. This is all for you. You guys ever had to, you guys ever gotten a spanking and say, this is for your good? You guys ever had to take medicine and you're like, it's for your good. But I hate it. It's for your good. Yeah. Stephen used the analogy of broccoli, which I think is repugnant and repulsive. But it's for my good. You just don't know broccoli like I know it. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Still not good. (laughs) 
So if you're if you're watching on the video, you can see the 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 five points that are on the screen, and and I'll I'll just I'll rattle them off if you're taking notes. It's here, here's some things that we're supposed to do out of this verse. Number one, fear the Lord. Mm -hmm. Guys, reverence God. We're going to keep going quickly. Number two, walk in his ways. And here's why I'm listing these out from a separate verse. I want you to see that these are different things. Love him. All right. That, that's our affections in our heart and how, where our life is pointed at. Serve him with all your heart. Don't be half-hearted about it. Don't have idols in your life. Don't, don't chase after other things and a little bit of Jesus to make you feel good, right? And then here's the one that I want to get to. Keep the Lord's commandments and statutes. Keep the Lord's commandments and statutes. And so, uh, so many times when I've read through and walk in his ways, I just feel like it means don't sin and, and do the right things. And that's not what it's saying at all. The ways of God are different than that. So it says, show me your ways, back in Psalm 25 again, show me your ways, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth. And uh, a little slide that I put here, the ways of God, I think of them like this. The ways of God are really, you could equate them to the whys of God. Like W-H-Y. W-H-Y. The Y-S. Or apostrophe S. I have it as apostrophe S, but I don't think that's right. No, that the, is correct. Is it? Yep. It's the Ys, the multiple context. Y, W-H-Y. So often we get consumed with the what's and the how-tos, right? Mm -hmm. And Christianity gets boiled down to a set of rules. Mm -hmm. Is there rules? You better Definitely. bet your last dollar there is. We just read them. What does the Lord require of you? That's why I listed those five things out. His statutes and commandments. Man, that you better do the commandments of God. Man, do the things, right? But... That doesn't get you to the why of God. Have you ever had as... Huh? All right, kids. Have you ever had to clean your room before? Yes or no? Raise your hand if it's yes. Clean your room. How many moms just clean your rooms for you all the time? Lucky duckies. Why do you think that your mom or dad or grandma or grandpa wants you to clean your rooms? How come, Colton? So that when there's stuff you need to find, there's not stuff scattered everywhere. Or because your dad has it. I'm just going <laughs> to We won't go there. We're on camera, remember? It's, it keeps sanity in the house. It's good for you because you can find your stuff, right? And so how many of you have ever had a moment where you did not want to clean your room? Raise your hand. How many of you adults have ever wanted to not clean your room? <laughs> yeah? It's for your good. And as parents, we're teaching our kids that we want them to be responsible adults. We're not training kids. We're training adults. They're just not there yet, right? And that's just been our philosophy. We're, we're not training kids. We're training adults. These kids are going to grow up, and they're going to be adults, and they're going to be out in the world, and they're going to be interacting with people. And so we want them to be able to at least minimally put their stuff away because that's helpful for them in life. And so... But you have that conversation with your kids right before you tell them to clean the room that I'm asking you to do this because I want you to grow up to become a responsible adult. Sure I do. <laughs> Exactly. We don't, we don't connect the dots. We don't always connect the dots. <laughs> Unfortunately. And sometimes our parenting gets boiled down to clean your room. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I guess if I'm yeah. not going to get in trouble, I got to clean my room. How many times in our Christianity does it get boiled to clean down, clean your room? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, I don't smoke, drink, smoke, or chew, or go out with girls that do. <laughs> you know, that's a there was a there was a holiness revival in the '50s in the Assembly of God, and that that's a, it, mm-hmm. I don't think I got it quite right, but it was something like that. It's pretty close. It's usually on the banners as you walk right, into the exactly. tent. You know, we boil it down. We boil Christianity down to this mm-hmm. list of do's and don'ts. Are they part of Christianity? One thousand yes. percent. They are. Are they all of Christianity? No. Wrong answer. What we're saying is the ways of God are the whys of God. Mm-hmm. Don't murder your neighbor. Why? Because God wants more people on earth? Well, I don't know. I don't think that. It's because we're made in his image. That's the why. See, we don't believe in abortion because these babies are made in the image. of. If Once you know the why, have you guys ever been so frustrated with someone, maybe a spouse or maybe, uh, that would never happen, maybe a child or a friend, and then you found out why they were doing what they were doing? and your whole attitude changed. Has that ever happened? You were just so upset. And, and then they said, well, I was just, I, I wanted to do that so that you could have next week off. Oh, whoops, sorry, mm-hmm. right? Your whole heart changes, your whole mindset changes. And I think if we can press into the whys of God, it will change our hearts about the commandments of God. Talk about Psalm 119 and the beauty of that. How can David... That's actually where I'm at (laughs) at right now. (laughs) Because that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. We've done a few of these videos Exactly, because that's what David is is doing in Psalm 119. If you read Psalm 25, it's like a a summary intro to Psalm 119. They're very similar psalms. It's just one has 176 verses in it. The other one only has like 20-some verses in it. But it's it's all about this idea of, of connecting the do's and don'ts to the person who who is issuing the do's and don'ts. Or Stan, you would say it like this on a Wednesday night, connecting the head to the heart, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what David is doing in Psalm 119, is he's seeking the heart of God, right? He's, he's seeking, uh, I'm just... I could read all of Psalm 119 right now, but that's that's the Don't. idea. I'm not going to read all of Psalm 119, but he, he'll say something. I've hidden your word yeah. in my heart, right? I meditate on your precepts. I delight in your decrees. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things mm-hmm. in your law. Like, wait, how can I see wonderful things in your law? It's because I see who's behind the law. Right, right. It's, a, it's an out, the, the, the law, the commandments of God are outcroppings of who God is. And when we know the goodness of God, we know that they're for our benefit. It's for your good. You will be better, not a better person, but you will have a better experience of the life of God and life on earth when you follow the commandments of God. Mm-hmm. But we've got to know that it's more than just a nasty God that's just pounding his fist. It's a God of love that says, these are for you. It's for you to follow these. But the ways of God are not the commandments of God. So I I wrote a couple things down here. Keeping the commandments of God does not mean that you will learn the whys of God. Mm. Mm. You can spend your whole life loving Jesus. Remember, there was five things in Deuteronomy. I'm loving God. I fear God. I follow the commandments of God. And yet you can miss the whys, the ways of God. 
We don't know. Think about, think about the ways of God. The ways of God is he planted us on this earth to live and enjoy life. And he didn't give us uh, one flower. He gave us tens of thousands of flowers, different kinds and different colors. That starts to dig into the why of God. He, loved, he appreciates beauty. Why did, he didn't have to make a sunset that was pleasing to us and, and released endorphins in our heart as we watched it, but he did. Mm-hmm. It's a why of God. He has, a, he has a value for beauty. And if you really dig in, you start digging into wisdom, you'll find out that beauty and wisdom are, are, are linked together. We won't go in there because we aren't, aren't even going to finish the message that we have. But, but, but it's a reflection of God. Mm-hmm. It's beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so digging into the whys of God. And so I would just say that if, if we spend our life only following the commandments of God, you'll be a good Christian. Mm-hmm. And you'll love Jesus. And you'll go to heaven. But you'll miss out on so much of the depth of God that God has for us. Yeah. Can I add to that? Just you a can. quick verse, uh, Psalm 119, verse 2. David writes this, Blessed are they who keep his statutes, mm and seek him with all their heart. Yeah. It's not yep. one or yep. the other. Yep. It's it's a both and concept. Both and. Yep. You, you got to mm-hmm. seek definitely keep mm-hmm. the statutes, but also you got to seek him with all your heart. Amen. All right, something else I wrote on. You can even pursue the will of God for your life. God, what do you want me to do and and really hear his voice and get the direction mm-hmm. Uh, of God in your life, you can pursue the will of God and still not become familiar with the ways of God. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Guys, these are all things that we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be following the commandments of God, and I'm supposed to the revealed will of God, and then I'm supposed to be seeking the personal will of God for my life. God, what do you want me to do on this day? Lead me to that person that needs to hear the gospel. Help me, fi- help me to find the person that I'm supposed to serve today. You know that kind of that this moment, kind of the. The, the kairos word, the, the will of God that's revealed in this moment. Um, you know, should I take this job or that job? Like kind of all of these things. Uh, and still do those and still not really uncover the ways of God. The ways of God takes pursuing intimacy. So uh, you cannot know the ways of God without pursuing him and pursuing intimacy with him. It takes time sitting at his feet. Mm-hmm. It takes time just knowing him. It takes time just meditating on his goodness. It takes time just being with him. And uh, we can't do that as a quick fix. It takes a positioning of our life. Uh, John Tyson had a gold nugget for me yesterday. I was listening to a guy that we listen to all the time. John Tyson, just in a little tiny snippet, which is what I want to end with today, um, kind of said, he had a little slide, and so you can't see it, but it, it said this. It said that we start generationally, like he's, he's, saying, he's saying so many theologians and pastors are asking, how did we get to this point in America so quickly? How are we, mm-hmm. and the word that we're going to use is hedonism, and it means just a, a, a lust after pleasure. Like, it means just an abandonment to doing what I want to do, okay? And so he was saying, how, how do we get here? Like, how did America, because we, you know, whatever. And so he said that the pathway often goes like this. It starts with godliness, okay? And it starts with, in, by godliness, I mean, and what he means is not just doing the right things, but doing the right things for the right reasons, Mm -hmm. Like we assess the character and nature and revealed will of God and we spend time in his word 
And we come to the conclusion the Sermon on the Mount is the best way to live the full life. That we come to the conclusion that God knows what he's talking about and that these things are good for me. And we embrace the ways of God. We embrace intimacy with God. And we joyfully walk that out. We thrive, as, as Matthew chapter 5 and 6 talk about, in, in, in the ways of God. We thrive in the ways of God. We live the kingdom life. We are exuberant and joyful in it and we have sorrowful moments and the Holy Spirit gets us through those and we do relationships well and we are kingdom living. We, we don't sin because we know that God tells us that's the way to the best life, right? And then we naturally degrade from that into morality. And I'm no longer joyfully serving God I'm pretty miserably serving God, and, and Lord help me if you don't get miserable with me. And we lose this intimacy with God. And so what he was saying is, is if we as parents, if we as friends, if we as pastors, if we as, as, as church bodies pass along the law of God without passing along the heart of God, man, we're in for a world of trouble. And I think that's what happens a lot of time. Um, it, you talked about it. It was on James Dobson a long time ago. My mom gave me the tape, and you were really excited about it. It was the three chairs. And uh, it's, it's talking about there was a time in Israel where, you know, they saw the works of God. You know, they, the, their parents walked through the Red Sea. You know, they, they saw the cloud and the fire. And then their kids heard the stories. They never saw God do anything like that, but they knew the stories, and it was very familiar to them. And then the third chair is, they had never even heard of that stuff before. And if the middle chair doesn't get their own experiences with God, it, it passes down to the next chair that they don't, even, they don't even walk with the Lord anymore. And so you start in godliness. You start living out the commands of God because it's life-giving. Yes, Lord, I worship you. Of course, like I'm, my heart's convicted. Yeah, God, I shouldn't do that. Okay, I'm not going to do that anymore because I know it brings me life. And then the second, whether generationally or what we degrade into is just morality. You better do what's right, buddy. You better too. I'm going to come. I don't know why the southern accent on that. <laughs> right? And, and we get into this forced morality, and we lose the life of God. And then the third step is hedonism. Uh, I'm not going to do what some arbitrary set of laws tells me I need to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And here's the danger. The guys, this is so important. Our reaction to hedonism cannot be a return to morality. Or that's death. Mm-hmm. And so often we're like, God tells you that's wrong. Why are you doing that? And then we're trying to get people to be moral when we want people to be godly. Mm-hmm. Don't settle for people being moral because that just makes legalistic dead people. We have to, in our reactions, because our reactions are real. They're like, oh, my heart is breaking for these people. They're not walking with the Lord. And don't they know that that's evil and God's going to judge that? True story. Mm. So my reaction can't be to shove them into morality. It has to be to lead them to godliness. Mm. It has to be based in relationship or you're just one generation away from 
another group of hedonists. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was yeah, so Yeah, Jesus would talk about it like this in, I think it's Matthew chapter 9, you'll have to forgive me on the reference if I'm off, but he'll, he'll say it like this, don't waste your pearls on pigs, mm-hmm. right? Don't, don't try to teach morality to a pig. Mm-hmm. The, the first thing you need to do is get it to realize it's not a pig. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can, so you can't, so what you're saying is don't, don't take somebody who's, full-on hedonism and try to mm-hmm. to cover them with Just morality and assume yep. that that's going to mm-hmm. change who they are. No, 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 no. You need to help them realize who they've been created to be, yes. which God will yes. then lead them. Holy, Your job yes. isn't to teach people morality. Yep. Yep. <laughs> your job is to portray godliness yep. so that they desire godliness and find morality on the way. Yeah. Let me finish with this verse. If you're watching by video, sorry, we're just scrolling all over here. First Chronicles 22, I was just, it's Pentecost Sunday and God being poured out. And I just went to, to chapter 22 of First Chronicles this morning. It says, now devote your, devote your heart and soul to seeking, let me go to verse 18. He said to them, is, is not the Lord your God with you? They're, dedi- they're getting ready to dedicate the temple. Has, has he not, or David's talking to Solomon about building the temple, sorry. Um, so Solomon's young, and he hasn't started building it yet, but he said, Is not the Lord your God with you? Has he not granted you rest on every side? For he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hands, and the land is subject to the Lord and his people. What he's saying is God's here. Okay, I want you to get this. God's here. Solomon, you're going to build a temple when you get older. I've already set a bunch of money aside, set workers aside. People are bringing the stuff. I'm a man of war. You're a man of peace, right? Read Second or First Chronicles 22. And that's what David is saying. He's saying God's here. God, God's given us rest on every side with our enemies. God has shown up. God is here. Build him a temple, Solomon. That's your lot in life. Do that. I've, I've gone before you. I've prepared the way. God is here. He keeps saying it over and over again. God's, the Lord's here. And then verse 19, he says this. Now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. Wait a minute. I thought you said God is here. He is. But devote your heart in the midst. Think of this. In the midst of God's presence, devote your heart to seeking the Lord which seems redundant. Why would I seek the Lord if God's already here? We have to keep our hearts pursuing God, pursuing God, pursuing God. That's the verse I want to end with today that I just felt on this Pentecost Sunday. That's, that's our challenge. Devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. Don't let up. America needs you. Our church needs you. Your neighbors need you. They need you to seek the Lord uh, while he may be found. And uh, we are so optimistic about what God wants to do in your lives and in our life. And uh, guys, have a robust theology of the goodness of God. But remember, it's not just about commandments. It's about knowing the whys behind those commandments. Because God's a holy God. And he wants what's best for you. Point at your neighbor and say, what's best for you? Yes. Best for you. (laughs) Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time.